Hi, everyone. I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha SMCs. All right. So this week, we're going to discuss the pandemic. It has been really strange for the past year. And we've been living this strange reality. And so Aisha and I wanted to chat with everyone because there's so many things to unpack as parents, but particularly as SMCs uh, when it comes to the pandemic. And so we're hoping to be able to give you ha- some tips on how to handle it, uh, commiserate with you because, you know, sometimes it just really sucks and there's really nothing we can do. Um, so first, before we really dive in, Aisha, a year ago almost, this all started. How long did you think this was going to last? Not this long. So <laughs> so let me take a step back and tell you, you know, I think history will 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 ask us, where were you when the pandemic hit, right? And so I recall distinctly that I was outside. It was a cold March morning. The sun was shining. And when the realization hit that, oh, sugar, this <laughs> We're in a <laughs> right. We're in a pandemic, and so I could feel the air rushing into my ears. It was almost like the world fell away, and tumbleweeds started, you know, rolling down the street. and And I remember <laughs> having a distinctly um, visceral reaction to like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, when it really set in, mm-hmm. um, and so. Because well, like, you're a planner, right? Like you, you have like everything <laughs> planned, right? And and I mean, then this hits, and it's like, wait, your plan is completely out the window. Like this is this was nothing that you could really prepare for, and it was really like the calm before the storm. I think for a while I was in denial. So once they first announced that schools were closing for two weeks, I was just like, there's no way that we can mm-hmm. do this for two weeks. And then it was like, we're going to the end of the school year. I'm like, there's no way we could do this to the end of the school year. And then there like, you know, we're going, I'm like, wait a minute. That means we're going to summer. Summer is canceled. Mm -hmm. Halloween got canceled. Christmas as we knew it got canceled. And I was just like, not once did I think that we would be doing this for a full year. Yeah. I, so I definitely remember being in the denial phase. Like when school first closed, I was like, oh, it's fine. This is fine. It'll be over. It'll be over full well knowing that like this was not going to be fine. Um, And I had another layer of madness because I was actually in the middle of a very significant move. I was selling my house. I was moving across country with two little kids. And so when all of this went down, you know, we went from, you know, potentially looking at just a six hour flight Mm -hmm. across the country to, oh, hell, my toddler is not going to wear a mask. I mean, she was just like a little bit over a year at that point. And I was like, there's no way she's going to keep that on her face for six hours. Right. So we were driving across country and literally as we were going through States, they were shutting down. And so I remember, I think we were in like Indiana and couldn't find a hotel. We ended up staying at this hotel was just like totally shady. Uh And I just remember thinking like, girls, you're not allowed in the hallway. (laughs) Don't walk on the floor. Don't walk on the floor. (laughs) Sleep in your clothes. (laughs) We're going to stay here for four hours and then just get back on the road. I mean, it was just madness. And I think, you know, just the stress of having to 
there was just so many unknowns in the beginning. I mean, there's been unknowns this whole time, right? But like, mm-hmm. you know, here I am like reteaching my then six-year-old how to wash her hands and like putting gloves on her before we run into the gas station to pee. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, but I certainly didn't think we would be here a year later and still in the pandemic. So one of the things that struck me about this pandemic um, is how disproportionately it's impacted women. So I found, I was reading this article in particular that I came across <clears throat> that made me think about the intersection of our gender and our single parent status. Mm-hmm. It was from the AmericanProgress.org. Um, they published a piece titled um, How COVID-19 Sent Women's Workplace Progress Backwards. So essentially, in a nutshell, the article um argues or the author argues that the collapse of the childcare sector and dramatic reductions in school supervision hours um, as a result of the of the virus uh, could drive millions of mothers out of the paid workplace. Mm-hmm. So uh, inaction could cost billions, underline family economic security, and set gender equality back a generation. And so many studies subsequently, and also, you know, our own anecdotal experiences have shown that women are leaving the workplace at higher rates than men. This could be likely the result of gender imbalance um, when it comes to pay and also, you know, gender imbalance (laughs) when it comes to traditional parenting. Um, Because I often see women in many relationships, not all, because, you know, many dads out there are also stepping up to the plate and being great parents. But oftentimes it you know, the brunt of the responsibility is falling on women. Right. So, uh, and then when you add the pay inequity, I can understand in a relationship situation how, you know, they'd have to go with the higher earner. So as I was looking at this information, I thought to myself, like, there are so many stresses with the pandemic in general, but trying to imagine what it would be like if you actually, you know, if you're at a partner couple, you can, you the decision, there is a decision for, you know, if we had to have someone stay home, you know, we could potentially live off of one salary, right? right? right. Whereas in a single mom by choice, and in many single parent households where, you know, you may not be able to rely on the earner, or the other parent as an earner, it becomes a very different situation, because then it's not a matter of like, will you send your kid to daycare? It's how you'll send your kid to daycare. Right. What sort of parenting decision you're going to make. So let's talk childcare real quick. Like, what did this mean for you, Aisha? Like when, (laughs) when all of this went down and like trying to balance earning, but also taking care of kids. So, (laughs) well, we, we know that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was no childcare option, right? For because they were shutting down and only essential workers um, were getting spots, which is understandable. Um, I'm I'm extremely grateful that I had a flexible job situation, but it didn't relieve the stress of having to birth both work full time, homeschool, and at the time that the pandemic hit, I had an eight month old who was just becoming mobile. Um, and so there's the safety aspect as well. And so I, I'm in a two bedroom apartment. And so we're having to navigate space for where school is going to happen, where daycare is going to happen, where work is going to happen. And so I will say, I did not handle the beginning of the pandemic very well. I was all over the place with trying to 
to figure out my work hours and put boundaries in place. And I will tell you, every one of my managers and my HR team, they earned their money last year, probably uh, off okay. of me alone. <laughs> because, um, and but you know, and half half the employees were were um, really hurting. Like you know, mm-hmm. my my company has a really good um, work life balance culture, um, but that you know collapsed. And so I would be online trying to get my work done. And I would be high fiving moms at two o'clock in the morning, because we're, while we were able to flex our work hours, the workload did not change. So we were juggling, you know, it all. And then as a, as a single mother by choice, you are juggling everything. Um, And so, I mean, I remember having to take a a pediatric appointment and the pediatrician was like, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, fine. And she was just like, well, you know, hopefully the kids are okay. Meanwhile, I'm at a desk in the living room and the baby is behind Mm -hmm. me in a playpen, you know, and I just looked at her like just blank stare. Like what the hell? Like way to load on the mama guilt. Like I'm trying to keep this little child alive and stop eating everything. And you're here like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, hopefully you have help. And uh, what kind of reality are you living in we're in the middle of a pandemic so that's also like really presumptuous right like I think you know many times when I hear kid noise in the background and on a meeting like I try to make no assumptions about someone's situation right like just because I may know they're married doesn't mean they have help right they may not at that moment Right. right and so I will say like one thing that you kind of touched on a little bit I think sometimes it's really hard, especially for single moms to ask for help. And, uh, you know, if you're in a company that has a dedicated HR person, right, this is their job, like they earn their pay by by helping with situations like that. And I will say that, like, I feel very fortunate, Um, the company, my company is, was pretty good at trying to come up with ways to support parents, because I think they identified really early that this was going to be problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that in many companies, there's an assumption that there's two parents, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, oh, here's some tips and tricks on how to like balance time with your partner, right? Mm -hmm. There's no balancing time with our partners, right? (laughs) And so um, I feel fairly fortunate because, you know, in my situation, I live in a multi-generational household. I intentionally uh, moved my parents in. Uh, This was before the pandemic, actually. which is great because, you know, they can help with some of the times when I just cannot have children in the background. That said, my kids know that I am mama and I am here in the house. So that does not stop them from barging in during meetings or needing me and not giving a damn that my parents are in the house. They're like looking at me like, and what? Like I asked you, not grandma. Yeah, like, I want <laughs> cookies so... now. <laughs> exactly. And like, they just don't care. Um, Or like, for example, you know, just, I think the hard part is that, you know, and I will say this throughout the podcast, um, every, nothing's free, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, whether you are paying for childcare or, you know, the, the um, kind of political capital with people who, you know, right, family members and whatnot, because they get, they get tired too, right? Like at the end of the day, my parents are like, I don't want to see the kids, right? I had a family member, I had a family member ghost me when I was just like, look, you're not working. (laughs) I don't have any childcare. Can I pay you to come here Mm -hmm. and take care of my kids and nothing. And, you know, well, I think 
The added stress, I think that everybody has, because it's a balance, right? It's like, we, we have to, it's, it's not a matter of not being, not being able to take a risk or whatever. Like there are some people who can close their doors and never go outside. Right. Mm -hmm. But typically those are people who have lots of help. Whereas for us, we have to make calculated risks, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, you know, is it going to be safe for me to send my child to daycare for a few hours? Like, what is my comfort level? And I think parents really should be thinking, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to mom guilt yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all have to make decisions and we have to, you know, you can't have a trade-off to say like, oh, well, I just won't work because that's not really an option, right? Right. Um, So you guys got to do what you got to do. And I know some people have formed pods and, you know, gotten done other creative things to try to keep themselves safe, but it's hard. Yeah. My, um, I really had to lower my expectations for myself. And I was just like, you're in survival mode, like just survive mm-hmm. this pandemic with the roof over your head, with your bills paid. Um, you know, I didn't have the extensive leave that some of the other companies I work in tech that some of the other tech companies had. And so I really had to string together and, you know, monitor my usage of time because there were some times where I just needed a break and, you know, coming off of a maternity leave. And, you know, so I had to really try to, to balance on how much time I took when I really hit the wall and needed the time. So it was, it was really stressful. So let's talk about school. Um, Both of us have school age kids. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, okay, so the toddler is one thing, right? The toddler is its own separate stress. Like I always, you know, I always say toddlers are like small people trying to kill themselves and we just have to try to stop it from happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like a whole different ballgame. You really just need to be watching. But like the other sort of side to this is school age children who are now in some sort of situation, you know, virtual, hybrid, fully in school. Um, What's your school situation like? So my school situation is as soon as the um, as soon as um, the world opened back up a little bit where daycares were allowed to um, accept children at reduced numbers, I sent my kids back to daycare. Um, one, I, I have to keep working and I had done the risk analysis and realized I was one person. I was there was the degree of risk that I was willing to take. Um, And so we just kind of rolled with daycare once school started. Um, I initially thought that when the school year started, I would do a hybrid. So I was already set up um, at my daycare to do, um, you know, the two days a week, whenever, um, yeah, whatever it was, the two, the every other day at daycare. And then once they decided that they, school can't open, I never changed our daycare situation. I just added on um, extra days as I could afford. So the way we have it, she goes to daycare four days out of the week and she's home um, on Fridays with me. And that really works because it allows me to, um, one, offload, um, outsource uh, the day-to-day supervision of her schooling. Um, 
while also still being connected to what her school day is on that Friday, because I can hear in, you know, the teachers know that I'm available on Fridays. Um, And what this has also made me do was to really up my communication game with her school. So I have two um, situations to navigate, her school situation and then the daycare. And I am the intermediary between both of those. So I have to, you know, communicate and still be on call Monday through Thursday, uh, but just kind of let them know, all right, here's what's happening. This, These are the, the times that she needs her one-on-ones and, you know, and kind of, you know, facilitating that communication. How about you? So virtual school has been a hilarious disaster. Uh, I mean, okay, we have moments and I think I've learned a lot through the process. I would say in the very beginning, um, I had an embarrassingly high number of toddler fits myself just because I am very type A when it comes to the education of my children. And I'm just like, this is unacceptable. This is ridiculous. And I sort of had to like check myself on several occasions and be like, okay, like this is hard for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that her current school is doing an amazing job. Um, she goes to uh, a private school um, and uh and and she they they are doing a hybrid situation. So half the kids go one week, half the kids go the next week. Um, we still have lots of technical challenges. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one thing, though, I will say has been a little bit of a silver lining is it almost gives me like it gives me insight into what she's doing that I didn't have before. Right. Right. And sometimes like she, she and I share an office at home. She has her little desk behind mine. Uh-huh. And during the day, it's just hilarious. Like I'll hear the teacher in the background going, Henry, put your shoes on. And like, you know, this one time my daughter, uh, they were having some, some technical issues with their internet at school. And so the teacher dropped off. And so when somebody drops the call, that means someone else becomes the host. And uh-huh. so my daughter became the host by default. And she's yelling, like, I think I was in the restroom at the time. And she's all like, Mama, I'm the host. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to mute everybody. And so she's uh-huh. freaking out, right? And I hear uh-huh. kids in the background just like talking about their day, you know, so and so is like, Oh, I had pasta for dinner last night, you know, and Very she's cute. just like, Oh, my gosh, what do I do? So I'm texting with the teacher. And the teacher's like, tell everybody we'll be right back. And so my daughter's <laughs> like, everybody, she's coming back soon. Um, but I think the cool thing is that it has sort of, the beginning of the year, she was very not used to technology. Um, mm-hmm. And I've noticed that as we've progressed through this, she she still has her meltdowns, right? But um, she's becoming a lot more savvy in a way that I don't think she would have been had we not had this. Yeah, I will, I will tell you, I will never forget the time I heard my daughter say, mute yourself. And I was just like, (laughs) we have arrived, you know, um, I I think since both of us work in tech, I think we can appreciate the the silver lining in this, right? So Mm -hmm. what, what are they, what are the kids learning? And I want to take a moment to put some of this in perspective, right? So what are the kids learning? Like, they're probably not going to be as where we want them to be with, you know, writing and, you know, all of the traditional um, milestones we use to mark education, but, you know, where, what they are gaining in terms of of technology. Now, I am clearly making the assumption, I know our kids have a a particular type of privilege. Mm -hmm. And so that they, they, they have technology. Um, 
accessible. And so what they're learning in terms of technology, they're learning to troubleshoot computer issues on their own. They're learning to communicate via um, web conferencing with their teachers and peers. They are learning how to reconnect and, mm-hmm. and disconnect to a classroom. They are learning how, how to, to converse as, as people. Um, and so I want to take a step back because professionally, I teach um, for um a tech company, and I am an instructor in a classroom, and we do have virtual um, classroom situations. And so, to understand the the ask that we have made of our our children, our teachers, and our parents. Okay, so when we ramp a new instructor. It takes a new instructor three to six months to ramp on the virtual classroom environment, and then they have to sit for a four-hour certification exam uh, to, to give them their credentials. Once that is accomplished, when the instructor gets in the classroom, they spend about a good 15 minutes orienting adults to the virtual learning environment. How do you mute yourself? How do you find the chat? How do you turn off your webcam? And in the case of our children, we're asking them to turn on and off their webcam, turn on and off their mic at multiple times during the day, Mm -hmm. right? And so these are children. And then we're also asking the teachers to do the curriculum prep Mm -hmm. to facilitate that classroom and the dynamics and the conversation. These are things that we have asked grown people to do, and they spend months preparing. We have asked our teachers and our children to drop everything in a drop of a hat and get quickly up to speed and do this. And then also what we have in my professional environment is we have a producer running interference behind the scenes. So if the instructor gets dropped, what what do we do? If you know we have to reconnect and disconnect, what do we do? They're pretty much paid to troubleshoot that classroom. Mm-hmm. So the reasons we should be applauding our teachers our little people and our parents is because this is a full-time job that we're asking them to ramp up quickly to do. So I mm-hmm. applaud them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an excellent point. And I also think that um, it, this whole pandemic and particularly when we talk about the schooling aspect really shows the, the gap in resources um, because you know, if you if you just think of all those things that Aisha had just mentioned about, you know, all the money that's poured into like actually preparing, and many of these teachers have had to sort of do it on their own, because um, I know not every school district is is really is really you know capable or available to to give them the kind of support that they need. So, right. I will second that. Um, it's hard. And I certainly have had to check myself in the process because as a parent, I'm just super frustrated, you know, but yeah. I understand that this frustration is, it's not on, you know, it's, it's not on the teachers. Like they're, you know, they didn't create the virus. Um, uh, and, and they certainly are, are for the most part, um, doing the best that they can and in, in, given the circumstances. So, uh, let's just focus a little bit on anxiety. Uh, I think that mental health is a thing. And I think that it, it it doesn't take an expert to say that this virus is certainly a compounding issue for many people. You may have thought you, you may not have thought that you had um, any sort of depression or anxiety before this, but maybe you're realizing as a, as a result of just all the things that this is really weighing heavily. And so I know for me, 
every day that I turn on CNN, you know, I'm seeing the death toll rising. This is super triggering. Um, and I think the hard part is that you just, there's so many things that are outside of your control and, and the, the very concept of health and safety. Um, and because I live in a multi-generational household, I'm always thinking like, okay, well, if we go to the grocery store, am I going to put my parents at risk, you know, um, myself at risk, like my kids at risk. And so any sort of activity that you might be doing, it's like, while you might find some relief in like, you know, maybe ordering out for food or like going outdoors to eat at a restaurant, it's laced with like the anxiety that you might feel about the extra risk. Right. So what are your Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say um, I have felt my anxiety ramp up. Um, I've always been pretty good at um, channeling my anxiety through humor and talking with friends and and family virtually even before the pandemic hit. Um, But but this type of um, acute and chronic um, anxiety, uh, because we've been dealing with it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually had to, um, limit my virus tracking, um, on television, like really limit the amount of, um, regular TV that I watch because of news reports. It was so triggering. Um, and then I also had to find, get creative with other endeavors for how to channel that energy. And then most recently, I think I hit the point um, in the pandemic where I can no longer get by on talking to friends and talking with family members where I've actually had to seek out paid therapy, paid talk therapy to talk through the anxiety just to make sure that I'm in better mental, emotional shape um, for my kids and interacting with the different hiccups that can happen during the day without spazzing out. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I will say that, you know, there, there is a tendency for our community to be um, maybe not as open about the option of therapy. And I, and I always tell people, you know, it's like when, when you, when you experience trauma or, you know, a heightened anxiety or a heightened, you know, terrible situation, like what we're living through right now, not going and getting uh, help for it or, Mm -hmm. or, or talking it through, it's kind of like not getting a cast on your broken limb and then right. wondering why you can't walk right a few years later. It's like, well, because you didn't cast it and it like healed the wrong way. Right. Um, and so I think that, you know, and, and many companies will, you know, offer many, many benefits, offer packages for, um, you know, the cost of it. And there's mm-hmm. also a lot of online resources. I know with my therapist, he's typically in person and right now he's all online. So right. I don't have to put myself at extra risk to go talk to him. I can just dial into his platform and there you go. Right. So I want to circle back on career because I think one of the things that, you know, we both have likely experienced, we both work in tech and it's very high paced and uh, there are a lot of expectations. And given that now our homes are our offices, (laughs) how do you create boundaries when you're working from home and like you're technically physically always at work? I... I am still struggling with that. I think some weeks are better than others in terms of trying to, to balance it. Um, I What I've done now, I think since, since I mentioned that my daughter is home with me on Fridays for schooling, I have pushed all of my really important meetings to earlier in the week. So Monday through Thursday, I'm doing that ad, ad hoc email response, you know, holding my meetings, I'm checking in on my projects 
And then on Friday, that's my cleanup day to go through all of the other emails, try to, you know, schedule things out for Monday through Thursday of next week. Um, But it really varies by the week. Like right now we're in snow season and I feel my anxiety starting to rise again because I just got through six months of a pandemic with the kids being home while I'm trying to work Mm -hmm. and we're about to come up on snow season. So snow days are making me anxious because I don't have enough vacation time to say, okay, I'm taking this as a vacation day because I can't do the mommying and the working. So I'm really um, anxious uh, again. So it varies week to week to to put those boundaries in place. But whenever the kids are in daycare, it is so much easier. Yeah, so I struggle with this. I'm admittedly, admittedly not the best at creating work boundaries. And uh, to the point where, you know, I've had my older daughter say no phone. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's right, you know, it's like, and so what I've tried to do, um, and, and I think one thing that's hard about my job is that I communicate with people globally. And so, you know, if I'm communicating with somebody in Australia, who's like 16 hours ahead or whatnot, like that's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find a time that's good for both of us just doesn't exist. Right. And um, so what I've tried to do as a result is I've been trying to block out certain times of day for um, whether it's me time, for example, like maybe intentionally take time to eat lunch. Right. Uh, yeah. um, and <laughs> Uh, which also sometimes is not a thing. Uh, and also I, I try to carve out some time each night to play with my kids. Uh And so, um, making, making sure that I sit there and I allow them to, you know, feed me the, the wooden food. (laughs) And, you know, I, I act like an extra customer in their diner and throw things and just Uh like, you know, just spend some time playing with them. And even, even if it's only a half an hour, right. Just make sure that they know that that time is theirs and that I'm not going to be working. Um, and I, and I guess like one more thing that I think for me, career wise, my company has given us sort of a special leave policy that's similar to maternity leave where like you can decide that you're going to take like, you know, some form of like, it's not like short-term disability, but it's like kind of works in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And what I struggled with while I used a couple of weeks of this time, I struggled with the fact that like right now in my career, I'm a manager. I have lots of, you know, I have people reporting to me and counting on me and I kind of had to make the decision about whether or not this is the time when I can take that hit to my career. And even though it's not supposed to be a hit, right. It's a similar to maternity leave. It's like you, you know, that even though it's a benefit that you absolutely deserve and need and are, or, you know, there's, it is a right. um, You know, that there is a cost to taking it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me at this point in my career, I couldn't take that. I couldn't take that cost. Right. Um, bec- and, and part of it's because, you know, because I had two children and, you know, had to, had to take that step back in my career and because I am a sole income earner. Right. Um, but I think, you know, I think it, 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 there are people out there and I, that, that might be able to take that risk, even single moms by choice. And I can, I, I would suggest people consider it and just consider where they are in their career and whether or not they, you know, they can step out. So yeah, so I, I, I took a step back prior to the pandemic, when I knew I was returning back from maternity leave, 
I use that as an opportunity to to make a position switch. And I, I stepped out of leadership to become an individual contributor. So when the pandemic hit, I was about four months into a new um, role, four to six months into a new role where I was trying to establish myself. And I can distinctly remember the point in the pandemic where I had the lowest point I felt in my career where I felt like, oh, wow. And I had always been um, a, a top performer. And so I was given a project where I was working with my manager, working with, you know, some higher up legal folks or what have you. And I had a really important presentation to give on the afternoon that the George Floyd murder video hit. And I was like, oh, wow. And then 30 minutes, I had to transition quickly into giving this presentation. Um, The presentation did not go well. And uh, I think at the time, what my manager told me was like, you know, she didn't know how to tell me that it did not go as they expected with the quality that they expected. She did tell me two weeks later um, that that was the case. And so that was a pretty low point for me because I was already feeling overwhelmed and anxious and to just have this be confirmed where I was just like, oh my gosh, it's my professional reputation at stake at my job. And so at this point, uh, she was just like, you know, I'm going to have to take you off this project. Are you okay with me reassigning it to somebody? And I was just like, yeah, do what you need to do. I don't want to be on anything high profile, you know, at this point until the pandemic is over, until I figure out, you know, my work-life balance. And so that was, you know, just a really tough week for me. Um, Do I feel like my reputation um, took an overall um, hit? No, I've been with the company um, for long enough and I have a really good reputation, but that was a particular low point where I was just like, wow, this could impact my career. I mean, I think you raise a good point though, because I think that as hard as it was, you know, I think you you made a good decision and recovered really well because you were able to really identify like, okay, yeah, things aren't going well and I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to try to be like, no, no, it's fine. I'm going to grab the like all the really important projects yeah. because at the end of the day, if you had done that and then fallen on your face, then it would have probably taken a pretty big hit to your credibility. So I think yeah. just, you know, speaking up and not, and, and, and trying to, you know, be as honest about what, level of load you can take on, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, at least for me as a manager, I appreciate when people give me a heads up and they're like, Mm -hmm. look, this is not going to work this week. Right. Right. Um, And I think if people are honest about kind of what they're, what they're working with, it it really ends up landing better than, than not. Yeah. This has been an awesome chat. I feel like we could go on forever and ever to talk about this because it's such an important issue. And I'm really hoping that this ends soon enough, but if it doesn't, we are going to have to circle back because I'm sure that this will morph into like so many different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But pod, it has been a pleasure. If you like what you heard, please share us on social media, tell your grandma, tell your mama, Tell your friends, coworkers. Also, follow us on Twitter at MochaSMC and visit our website at www.mochasmc.com. And join us next time as we continue to discuss this often hilarious journey of being a Black SMC. Till next time. Bye now.